goes by for today's special guest. I want to introduce you to my pastor, pastor of Connect Community Church in Ashland, Massachusetts. Would you stand to your feet and give Pastor Derek Fry a hand, please? Come on. Give him a hand. Love you. seated. Thank you. What a joy. What an honor to be at the Refuge Church. Um, I've had the privilege um, of being in the um, early stages of an incubation of this church for many years. The pastor give it up. Let's honor the pastor. I honor this house and I honor this church. And uh, it's a truly uh, privilege to be here in this moment with the Lord's gift of our lives. God bless. Um, I want to tell you a little bit about me so that you guys can relax and um, let me pastor you. Okay. So first of all, um, I am a uh, second generation preacher. Uh, my father was an atheist. He was an agnostic His whole life changed, and uh, I grew up in the middle of that. So I grew up in the, you know, BC, AC, before Christ, after Christ. And so I was kind of a mixed up kid because I saw a dad uh, who beat my mom, and then I saw a dad who loved, you know, my mom. And, and, I, and I saw the only person that could change that was Jesus. But, but how many know that God doesn't have, um, he doesn't have any grandchildren, he only has children. In other words, we're all his creation, but we have to choose to be his child. And so I had to come to a decision of my own free will, and that's the most powerful muscle we have in our bodies. Uh, you know, it's more powerful than your quadriceps, your deltoids, and your rhomboids. Some of you ladies just went, I don't know what just happened to me. So all the guys can explain that later. But more powerful than any of those muscles is your free will and the ability to exercise your free will to choose him. He wanted us to choose him, not to come to him like a robot or some of some automaton kind of, you know, just every day we get up and, you know, we worship him. No, he wanted us to love him. And that never stops, even after we come out of the relationship. But I had to choose to be his child, and I came to the saving grace, um, you know, made that faith reception, realized that I was lost and needed a savior, and I was asked, and uh, I changed my life. And uh, I can't say that, you know, the decision, the heart changed happened in a second, but the life change took some time. And you guys are in, some of you are in that pre-decision moment, and some of you are in that post-decision moment. Some of you are BC, some of you AC, you know what I mean? Some of you ACDC, no, I'm kidding. Anyway, sorry about that. But um, but I, I became a follower of Christ, and, um, and my son is a follower of Christ. My, my children are followers of Christ. My wife is a Christian. Uh, my son is a third-generation preacher. Um, my wife and I uh, grew up both in, in Christian community. My, my wife grew up in Christian her whole life, so she didn't see the whole gospel. So she's an angel. Shout out to Lisa. She's, she's an angel. Um, didn't sin ever until she met me. Uh, I was her greatest sin. Um, <laughs> everything she did bad, she did after she met me. Um, but we've been married uh, 26 years. It's been 15 wonderful years. Do the math. There isn't one. That means. 
years, there was some hell in the middle of that. You know, there was some bad years and some bad times. And I got hit with a lot of sin, but it wasn't that bad. Um, but there were some bad years in there. And um, but, but bless God, it's been great for the last, you know, 15 years, probably since I was 12, 13 years old. Um, all our kids, my greatest legacy is that all our kids love God and serve Jesus. And so did my children. over in the last four and a half months. And so, yeah, be fruitful and multiply, praise the Lord. Some of you look at me like, there's no way he's a grandfather. He is too young and good looking, and it's just no way. You're right. <laughs> so, um, but we love being grandparents. When you're, I just want to say that one quick. When you're, when you're a parent, you name your kids. But when you're a grandparent, you name yourself. And so my wife named herself something weird. I can't even explain it, so I'm not going to go there. So I'm going to keep talking about Thomas and Mary. And, but my name is Big Poppy. Big Poppy. Come on, everybody. That's a good name right now. You know what I mean? So I'm raising them up right, training them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Hallelujah. So, yeah, we had grandkids, and, uh, and uh, I'm, pr- I'm praying they're all going to serve Jesus right now. They're sinners, uh, and their hands are going to be with God. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but we'll raise them up right, and they're going to know the Lord too as well. And so I just wanted to get, give you a little bit about me. Um, for 26 years, uh, all the whole time <laughs> I've been in ministry, um, that they took a great risk doing that in the early years. I didn't know what I was doing, and um, but you just be careful, guys. Just like any other athletes, you know, you're not like your first time getting in this thing. Like I was in this thing for 25 years, basically. Okay, let's just take some time with this. That's so. I just want you to. I want you to know that you know steady progress is possible. You do that as a person. You do that as a marriage. You do that as a showing up, hitting the ball, uh, keep serving Jesus, keep doing what you're doing. The success is going to be daily out of your flow by the end of this thing. So God's doing a wonderful work in this church, and I just speak favor and blessing over you at this church. Amen? All right, you ready to let me pass for you? Okay, so let's get into the Word of God. I'm going to look for a talk-back church. Sometimes it's not good to talk back because you've got teenage kids. You don't want them to talk back. But in church, we can talk back in a good way, yes? So I'll give you opportunities to do that. If you miss it, I will point it out. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm going to quickly just put you into um, kind of a, a portion of Scripture in the Bible, the book of Galatians, one of my favorite books in the Bible. And I'm going to give you like the fastest overview of this, this particular letter. The Apostle Paul is writing. If you want to know what the message is, it's just we're just going to talk about relationships with God. How do we have a good relationship with God? And um, this is this is kind of an excerpt of a series that we just had for school of pastor Chuck, and I hope you'll do that a little bit after school with pastor Chuck. But Paul is a book of Galatians. He is evangelizing, uh, and he evangelizes through the planting of churches. What's so interesting is what you are is what he did. He would go around and he would plant churches. He would start a church, he would get it up and running, and then he would go in his apostolic calling and plant churches like the rest of the apostles. They were able to get planted, and he would then he would go start another. Start having problems, and so to try to help them, he writes these letters back to them uh, to encourage them, exhort them, correct them, correct them. That's what Galatians is. It's these letters that he kind of writes. So that's that. Is everybody tracked with me by a show of hands? You ready? You with me? Okay. So anyway, he writes this corrective letter because the, this particular Galatian church had received Jesus, but these Jewish believers called Judaizers. 
message of Christ, salvation by grace through faith, not by works uh, to get me to be accepted by God. And so the Judaizers came in and said, well, that's good, but you need to add something to it. And, and interestingly enough, they, they wanted to add an Old Testament minor surgery to the process. And some of you smile, but you know what I'm talking about. Like, so that minor surgery was uh, the, the guys, you can be, that's all good. Paul said, but you're going to have to be circumcised. He's like, is he really going to come in here and he's going to talk about circumcision? Let's bring Christians to this church. Are you kidding me right now? And some of the guys are like, oh, what's going on right here? But yeah, can you imagine the membership class at that church? You know what I mean? Like after church today, we want you all to join us up in the upper lobby. And, 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 and Pastor Adam and Tanya has the snip snip, you know, equipment. And the guys go here and the girls go there. And then at the end, you're a member. You know what I mean? You don't have a member, but you're a member. And so, so Paul's like, no, no, no. So he's mad. He's mad. He's like, you're communicating a different gospel. And, he, and, and, and frankly, he's really upset about it. So Galatians 1 is this, hey, stop, stop communicating these, almost like two brands of Christianity. There was, there was, this, there was this revelational grace-based salvation, and then there was this works-based, and you can't go back to that. You can't go back. sinful desires and passions. You are not practicing uh, self-denial. You're practicing denial of self. There's a difference. Self-denial is you have self on the throne. Denial of self has a price you pay with your life. Every single day you practice putting God first, putting God first, putting God first. And why do you do that? So you don't go back to that old brand of mentality. So you don't go back to that old habit. So you don't bring that up again. And then in Galatians 3, he comes in and he basically says, you know what? says that grace is the fuel for this race. You don't, you don't have to do something to receive something. You have to receive something so you can receive it. Grace is the fuel for the race. Now, everybody say, and now, Galatians chapter 4 is what I want you to have today. And this is something that will be a little bit weird at first, as if I haven't been weird already. But it will be a little bit weird at first, but hopefully it will make sense to you as you go along. In other words, get ready. Some of it will be a little foggy. your big idea, right? What's your big idea? God never intended for you to be in religion, but in a relationship. And I know some of you heard that. I've been in church for a while, but uh, there's more there than meets the eye. Uh, before we get started, this word that I'm going to talk about is kind of, a, it's kind of a mystery thing. It's this term called sonship. So I want to talk about, I want to tell you about this word sonship, and I want to contrast If you're taking notes, go ahead and write that down. If you're not taking notes, go ahead and write that down. Galatians 3.26 says, you are all, everybody say all, you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. So you're all sons. Now if the ladies are offended. 
friend of Bride of Christ. So we're all in it on this, okay? This is not about gender, okay? It's not about gender. This is a relational term meaning attitude, the conduct, tongues of God in the spirit. Okay, so what is so spirit about that on our lives? And it's one of the mysteries of the faith. Galatians 4, verses 4 and following says this. Is everybody enjoying this so far? Yeah, so far, Pastor. Let's get further. But when the set time, verse 4, it says, when the set time had fully come, God sent his son. Now notice he didn't give you a faith. Notice he didn't give you a faith based on works. He gave you a faith based on a person. God sent his son, born of a woman. We didn't do it that way. There's this whole reason for that. Born under the law. Why? To, to, to fulfill it. Because somebody had to actually accomplish the mission impossible. And only one person could do that. Jesus. So Jesus came. He did it. He came this way. To redeem those under the law. Who's under the law? Everybody. That we might, this is the cool part, receive adoption. If, if somebody's ever adopted, isn't that an amazing thing for, for you? When you, when you? When you know somebody and then they took somebody who wasn't born of their blood into their life and literally made them a part of their life. Isn't that amazing? Well, in a spiritual sense, it's, it's really miraculous that God would choose and so this term, uh, put, uh, word sometimes is insufficient, but it says that we might receive adoption. I believe something miraculous happens when we become sons and daughters of God. And because you are a son, the Bible says God sent the spirit, look at this, of his son. Let's on this a little bit. In other words, it's not just an idea. It's something, it's something that happens in your heart. Big word in there, the heart thing. Church, 
Israel all the way into the temple. And this was, this was their view of God, and because of their view of God, they were pagan. And they were literally destroying the temple and killing all the animals and making slaughterhouses. Why would, why would they do that? Because they were devout, because they sought to please God. Israel, that is not the spirit of Messiah. God is not, he wants us to come boldly for his throne of grace. Find help in our time of need. When our heart doesn't condemn us, the Bible says we have confidence before God. So there's a sonship as a temple response, and it's an attitude. And so uh, so this this idea, this, this spirit of, of, a, of a slave is not what God has for us. So the son has a father, right? The, the, the son has a father. And this is a very familiar relational term. And, and I believe Jesus modeled the behavior of the father on the earth to us while he was here. When, when Jesus was here, he was a people magnet. He was a kid magnet. I mean, Jesus didn't have
church came up uh, some people came up with that term and some people like to say that uh, but I actually refer to myself as PD so I would like to just fix it up whatever I'm doing or whatever it is I have to do during the month everybody call me PD is that all right so why am I doing that because it has it's a, it's a it's a perfection term that still holds within it the authority of God for the pastor now I'm by the way the only reason I'm standing on this platform is because it would make me more visible and it would make it better but the truth is just like you do. I still make mistakes just like you do. I'm still human just like you do. The difference between me and you is I have more spiritual responsibility in that area, which should give me the corresponding more authority in that area to you. Does that make sense? Authority and responsibility are two sides of the same coin. So I'm going to be judged more strictly because of what I said from the beginning of chapter 3 to verse 1. Because of that, you should listen more carefully to what I say. But this is all free, by the way. This is good stuff right now. So, so I say people in church that know me for a while, they say, oh, Pastor's PD. Some of the kids that I've known from knee high to a grasshopper, they'll call me Papa D. You know, and some of them say, oh, okay, they'll call me, they'll call me Papa. And some churches I've known, they'll call me Papa. But the, the way you call someone determines your relationship with them. Here, write this down. The slave is an employee. The slave is or acts like an employee. You can always see or hear an employee attitude. Sometimes you might be just at your job. just an employee. Let me tell you something. As an employer, um, and I don't want to brag, I have a lot of employees. I don't want somebody who's just an employee. <laughs> I do everything I can not to hire someone who has that attitude. What do we do? You know, it, 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 we want people that have this ownership. And occasionally, when you have some problems with that, and, and the thing God has blessed you with, like the stewardship, to be faithful in the little, God has given more. So two weeks ago, I'm walking early. I get to church very, very early on Sunday morning. I'm walking out to get the pancake roll and all the light drops and everybody checking out. Okay, what am I doing? I'm making sure things are being taken care of. You know why? Because people are faithfully sowing into the ministry, and, and we need to be able to give an account of how we manage things. And God's watching that, and so we give it. So I go to one of the bathrooms, and and there's no soap in the, in this bathroom. And I go to another bathroom, and there's no soap in the first bathroom. Then I went upstairs, and there's no soap. And so I I just kind of It was just it was just stewardship. Am I doing that because I'm an employee? No, I'm doing that because I'm a son of the house. Because it matters. Those things matter and I, I take care of them. If I'm in the bathroom or you saw me in the bathroom, hopefully you won't see me in the bathroom. But if you saw me in the bathroom after I use the bathroom, I always take paper towels and I wipe it down. And I just, you know, take a little splash and, and, and some of it's just a little neurotic, I get that, but 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 some of it is a son gift from God because this isn't just sense to anybody that's out there. You know, I went to a restaurant not too long ago, and, and I had this, this particular restaurant. I love it. It's called the 110 Grill, and I had stock in this restaurant for being there so much, or I should, and I was taking a guest speaker to the restaurant, and I see, and I'm, I'm looking for my, for my hostess, right, because I know she knows me by name, but here he comes, you know what I mean? And, and, and she wasn't there, right? And, and, and all of a sudden, I, I get up to her, and I'm like, hey, do you have a reservation? And she's she like puts her arm around the list, you know, and she's not, no eye contact, she's chewing gum like a cow chews its cud, 
those seats would be filled. And if people who serve God had the attitude of an owner, we would be concerned about every seat being filled. We'd be concerned about every person who hasn't crossed the line of faith. We'd be concerned about meeting every need that we could because we have the heart of a son that this is God's house and it's my house too. Does that make sense to anybody out there? Amen. Amen. Sometimes because we have we have not been adopted or we've not received that sonship, we like employees in the house of God have we're operating as an employee and sometimes we've we've quit as an employee. There are many Christians, I don't know if I'm speaking to anybody and I don't want to step on anybody's toes, but I'm going home this afternoon, so it's okay. But 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 some of y'all have been in the church a long, long time and you've you've quit your job serving God. Because you had an employee attitude, and you didn't have the attitude of a son. Here, write this down if you're still able. Uh, the son is an heir. The son is an heir. See, it's your business. It's your house. I sometimes talk to people that have been in the church. You guys haven't been around that long. You're, you're still young in your chronology. But, but sometimes people around months, sometimes in our church, years. And they'll say to me after service, Pastor, great message. You have a great message. I so love your church. I look at them and I say, what do you mean, your church? Isn't this our church? See, their language is revealing whether they're a slave or whether they're a son by their language. You have to decide, you know, is this a part of your church? This is, is, this, is this a part of your heart? You know, when I do what we call next steps, I forget what you call your journey. Uh, he was just talking about it, my place, and, and my motivations off just a second ago. But it, I used to do next steps live. I don't do it anymore because it gets concerned home for services, basically. And with the, with the benefit of technology, I was speaking somewhere at the same time. I was speaking live on Facebook. So that's why I used to love to do it because I used to be an interface for the people. But, it, you know, for different reasons, we had to move away from that and grow. But I can remember when I used to explain our vision as to why we do church. And then, and then I would explain to new people... Uh, our strategy, you know, this is how we do church. And then I would talk to people about our government, who's in charge of our economy here. And then I talked to people about finances and what do we do with the money. And I'd go through all these different things. And, and, I, and I was trying to give them kind of the, the big picture. I call it kicking the tires. Before somebody drove by a car, they want to make sure it's, it's good, it's safe. And, and so, so equally informed, they can be doing it all. And, but when I would close, I would, I would move them to this place of possible decision. And I would say, if you like what you hear, I want you to consider this. And this is your church, then you need to know something. This is not my equipment. This is yours. These are not my chairs. That's not my trailer outside there. This is not my, none of this is, this is yours. This is ours. These guests, it's not my guests. This is our guests. The responsibilities that are here, if there's trash on the floor, that's not the janitor's trash. That's my trash to deal with. Whatever it is, because this became your church. Can I have, and the janitor said, Amen. Because this is the thing, I didn't want their signature, I wanted their hearts. And see, some of you, God's wanting you to move from a place of just something on a piece of paper or reading something off a piece of paper. God wants to circumcise your heart. He wants to give you and you to receive the spirit of adoption where you become a son and daughter of God. Amen. Romans 8, 17, I know I didn't get this place to finish. Now, if we are children, Romans 8, 17, then we are heirs, heirs of God. And this is so powerful. Co-heirs with Christ. In other words, in God's mind, uh, everything he has, he wants you to have. So Romans is telling us that whatever God has, he wants you to have. And I know there's a lot.
prosperity, and I can't clear all that up this morning for you as we as we talk about things. But I, I will say this: I believe God wants to bless you in enormous ways, but He wants to bless you to be a blessing. And some of the reasons, and sometimes the reasons we don't get blessed, is because we don't have the spirit of a son in the spirit of a slave. We want something so we can have something, but God wants you to to receive something so that you can give something. He wants you to be a conduit of blessing and charity to other people in the process. And so I actually stop asking for what I need. I ask for more than I need. I don't ask for what I need. I ask for more than what I need because as a son, I know that the father knows I'm about the father's business and he gives me more than what I need. I'm about him. And God continues to bless because of that perspective. So some people say, well, you know, you've got to change your perspective. You can't just become an heir. You can't just get all these things. No, you cannot change until grace is extended. And so if you're here and you want to do those things, but you struggle to give them, it's because you haven't been adopted as a son by that spirit of sonship or you haven't received the son of God in baptism. When you receive grace for salvation and grace for works, sometimes still demanding for people to do things first to get to God. No, that's religion. Religion is we're trying to do something to get to God. Relationship is God doing everything to get to you if you would receive him. Amen? Philippians chapter 2, look at this scripture. This is amazing. Is everybody enjoying this out there or am I just having a good time by myself up here? Because I'm okay having a good time by myself. I'm that secure. Okay. Philippians chapter 2 verse 12 says this. Work hard to show, first of of all, wait a second, I thought it wasn't about works. Hang on. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. So you don't work hard to get saved, but because you're saved, you go work hard. Ah, so stinking sweet ass. For God is working in you, only if you receive grace, but for God is working in you to do what? Giving you the desire. See, I don't want to have to do anything. I, 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 God doesn't you don't want to do those things. He doesn't want you. You don't have to obey him and serve. You don't have to obey him and give. He wants you to want to serve, and he wants you to want to give in obedience. There's a want to before the obedience. Does that make sense right there? He wants you to give. I want to be a giver because I'm a son. I received the sonship attitude, okay? And so your desire to change, you get that grace first, that relationship with God first, and he gives you the desire, and then he gives you the corresponding power, it says, and the power to do what he wills. So he puts the desire within you. By the way, sometimes the lights are bright, and I see spit going out of my mouth, and so that means the anointing is very strong, okay? And so some of you want to come down front and be close to this. I'm just telling you that right now. It's the spit zone is what I'm calling it today. Uh, So he gives you the desire. And the power. Wouldn't it be better to do something out of desire versus demand? Wouldn't it be better to do something uh, out of out of demand? You know, desire over discipline, power, empowered to do something like that. God, in Jesus' name, give this church the desire and the power to do what you want us to do. Can you just put your hand on your heart and receive that, Father? In Jesus' name, for every person, I pray that wants that, that you give them the desire uh, and the power to do what pleases you today. 
see, I'm not reading my Bible anymore. 15 minutes, you know, and at the end of 15 minutes, I'm like, oh, man, I'm so bad. I, I don't even know what I said. I start repeating my prayers. That, that means I'm in, I'm in the wrong Sometimes I find I've been here before, and I've got this grumbling voice, you know, and, and then you go to church, and you see a video, and they're inviting you to serve and be a part of something, and if you're a slave, you're like, oh, man, Pastor Adam's just trying to get us to do something else, and, 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 and Tanya's trying to get us to do something else, and you give up on Saturdays, and you're like, we're already coming here on Sundays, and that's the spirit of a slave, but the spirit of a son's like, oh, this kid, I remember when we did that last year, it, it couldn't come fast enough, I can't wait to do that again. Can't wait to be there on Sunday. Honestly, before God Almighty, Sunday's my favorite day of the week. And, and I'm not just saying that because I'm the pastor. Most pastors won't say that. I know because I pastor them. And they're like, I'm out. <laughs> he didn't say that, by the way. Your pastor loves you. But I'm just saying, I'm just saying, because of the spirit of the son, we, we love to do it. But if we have the spirit of the son, all right, I know they're trying to get more out of us. You know, get up, you know, it's bad enough. We got to give up our Sundays. That's my only day off. And now they want me on my Saturdays. Now they want me to go to small group. And now they want me to stay after church even longer. I'm not coming next week. In fact, I'm not coming all summer. Jesus and his disciples were on their way. He came to a village. This is the story of Martha and Mary. You guys know this. And, and, and Martha opens the door to Jesus. And she had a sister, Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations they had to do. A lot combined into that, right? You see that. So let's pause. They both loved Jesus. They both wanted to give him something, but they were doing it with different spirits. So she came to him, who? Martha. Grumbling. Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all this work in this kitchen? Can't you see all the tables that haven't been cleared? Can't you see all the messes under the... Nobody swept the floors. Blah, blah, blah. That's what you want. Tell her to help me. Jesus says, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset. A strong spirit about many things, but a few things are needed. Mary is the only one. Mary has chosen. Everybody say chosen. It's not a feeling. It's more than a feeling. Sing a song right now, but I won't. Uh, hallelujah. Resisting. It's. <laughs> it's. Oh, sorry. All right. I'm a singer. So, anyways. He, she has chosen what is better. So, when, when you choose right, in other words, things will be right. So, what's the spirit of this relationship? How do we do that? How do we do that? How do we stay in this relationship with God? Let me give you a few things with that to help you with that. Galatians 4. Scripture, but I'm paraphrasing. Matthew chapter 7, 
sexual addiction. I knew something was wrong because every time I heard him pray, his terminology was was the way he referred to God. He would he would come in and, and it would just be low and he would be and he was God, King, Master. And I'm okay with that. But I never heard him refer to God as his dad. And I asked him about it one time he said, Oh I can do that. And then he proceeded to just ball his eyes out and tell me about the abuse he went through. So you can never get seminar. <clears throat> um, but I remember when my kids were little, they would, you know, they come to you like, mom, mom, dad, dad, mom, dad, mom, 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 dad, dad. Before you're getting ready to go out, because you're more likely to get a nail gun. 
in our lives, what's the matter? You just want to hide, and you're just doubting the favor of the Father. I remember one time my daughter Mallory, who's now 24, has a kid, and she came, sat down at the table while we cooked the chicken, and I said, I'm going to cook the chicken, and uh, you know, I'll respond to her, whatever. And uh, Ken, who's now having Sticky, and, but anyway, but I can remember she, she sat at this table, and I'm like, what, what are you saying? So I look at her and she's and she's looking at me and I'm like, honey, what are you what are you doing? Who's it? Always wants to hide, right? And she's like, nothing. <laughs> really? Nothing. She's like, no, I don't I want anything. I said, come on, what do you want, honey? She says, nothing. I just I just wanted to hang out with you. Just I wanted to be invited with you. You wanted to do something and hang out with you. And I'm like, really? I'm like looking around, like, is this like, you know, a TV show getting ready to happen or something like that? I'm gonna be on camera. And she's like, no, and I, and I, it just hit me. I just thought to myself, and, and I, for some of you young people, what I did right then is I pulled out one of these things, it's, it's blue, and you sign your signature on it, and I just wrote a blank check, and I just gave it to her. I just said, get whatever you want, it's yours. Why? Because her approach to the Father counts. You have to see him right. You have to, what, approach him right and belong to the favor of God. Last point is you got to give him your heart. Son, you, you gotta, you gotta go all in. You gotta go all in. You know, the goal of marriage is to get married, is to stay married, but to stay in love. But to stay in love, and that's the only way marriage works. It, it, you can't, it won't work if you don't stay all in. Eventually, it, I can't say to my wife, "Honey, out of you know four billion women, you're number two. Like it. So Jeremiah 29 says, you'll seek me and find me when, everybody say when, you seek me with all your heart. Everybody say all your heart. It doesn't say part of your heart. I've, I've never met an all-in, full-time, fully devoted son or daughter of God follower of Jesus. I've only met part-time people, employees, slaves, that's right, Amen. That's not true. That's not true. He says, I will be found trying to find him through intellectual descent. Let me just tell you something. First, you give your heart, then he'll help you with your head. It's an amazing thing. Isn't it, doesn't it make sense that God of the universe doesn't have to fit into your little finite brain? The infinite God might say, the only way you can process me is through the heart, and then I'll help you with your head. That's how he works. And I learned recently that the best things in life happen when you go all in. I watched my daughter, Mallory, have a baby, and she had a horrible delivery. It was just process is too long to tell, but, but the reality is, and, and I would have done anything to participate in that delivery, but the reality is, it's, it was all for her. She gave her all. I saw my daughter give her all 
so I went, when Malik, when he came, the Bible says that the travail a mother goes through is remembered no more for the joy of the child that's been born. That's what happens to us through salvation. That's what happens to us through serving God. When we seek the Son, we go all in to seek the Son. We accept the Son, what he did for us by grace. We ex- receive the spirit of adoption into the family of God. Then all of a sudden, revelation comes. Relationship changes everything. It changes absolutely everything. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want to pray for you right where you are. And please be very, very still. This is the most important moment of the sermon. It's a moment where people can make decisions. I want you to imagine yourself all by yourself. Think of something. If I was to say to you, sir, ma'am, boy or girl, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you in this room right now? First, I want to give people the opportunity right there in their seat to receive the Son through salvation. And then I want you to receive the next group to receive, who already have the Son, already have eternal security. I want you to have the spirit of sonship to be able to live life as a son and not a slave here on earth. If you're here today and you've never received the Son of God to, to grace the gift, the, the, the purchase of your salvation, the one who died for so much.